Well, hey church, what I have in front of me that you're probably wondering about are some blueprints of actually the room that you're in right now. Um, there's a whole bunch of these. I've been pouring over them the last uh, couple weeks and looking at some different things about them and even our foyer. And in a couple weeks you'll know why, but um, one thing that blueprints do, I don't know if you're a blueprint reader, blueprints help you see the big picture and the end product before you even start. And it's kind of important to be able to do that. Maybe you're a puzzle person. And you know what's really important about doing a puzzle is you start it to flip the box up and to be able to see the picture on the front. Because to be able to see what it looks like before you even start really helps in being able to put the puzzle together. And we all kind of need those visuals one way or another to be able to see what's this thing supposed to look like. It's a real help in putting the whole thing together. What, what is the end product? At the very end of it all, when it's all assembled, what is the big picture and that is what I want to be able to look at today of the church. When this whole love is why, when Jesus stepped onto this globe 2,000 years ago, when he died on the cross, when he wanted to build this church, this mass of people, what did he want to do? What did he want to build? What did he want it to look like? What's this end product that he had in mind? So I want to give us a little look at that. So I invite you this morning, grab your copy of the scriptures or your device. We're going to go to the very end of the Bible. In fact, two chapters from the very end of the Bible. The book of Revelation, chapter 19. Revelation, chapter 19. is two chapters from the end of the Bible. And the events that we're looking at this morning are prophetic events. They're recorded events yet to happen in the future. Now, I'm going to tip my hand in just a moment of where I stand on end time events, and I believe these events happen after the rapture of the church toward the latter end of the tribulation, just before the millennial kingdom the time Jesus rules on earth for a thousand years. And some of you are looking at me and you're saying, you go get him, pastor. That is right on. And some of you are looking at me saying, what is this guy talking about? And if prophetic events are not all familiar to you this morning, don't worry one bit. You don't need to have a firm grasp on the end events to connect to what we're going to speak about today. Just know today we're going to see a future picture of the church. We're going to see a future picture of why did Jesus die on the cross? What did he want to do in the first place with this whole thing that he wanted to bring together globally? This is what the church is going to look like in heaven at the end. And truthfully, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. 
This is a picture-perfect place for us to capture an important truth in our final message on love is why every part matters. So why don't you stand with me for a moment. I just want to read a few verses in Revelation chapter 19, and then we're going to sit down and get to work here today on a really neat passage of Scripture. Revelation in chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. There's two celebrations we're looking at today. Here's what it is. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from heaven's throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So have a seat. Here we go. Revelation 19. There's a couple celebrations going on in heaven, starting in Revelation 19. And these we're going to talk about here today. The first celebration is heaven celebrates the victory of God. And if you have your your East Bay Weekly, and you look in the back, there's your study guide. Heaven celebrates the victory of God. Now, I want you to know one thing. Number one, <clears throat> our God is a God of celebration. Our God celebrates victory. Our God celebrates renewal. Our God celebrates salvation. And he always has, and in fact, in the parables and the stories in in the scriptures in the New Testament, when there were lost things and they were found, the Bible says, you know what, there is even greater celebration in heaven when a lost person comes back to Jesus Christ. Our God is a God of celebration. And my thought is, if God celebrates things like this, God's people should be celebrators as well of the very same things. And here we find out, finally in heaven, there's an alignment when God's people 
and God are celebrating the same thing. Heaven and all of heaven celebrates the victory of God. And so here in the very first three verses of Revelation 19 is the celebration of the victory of God. And up to this point, even if you're not familiar with Revelation, you're familiar with a few words like apocalypse. Even in our popular culture, apocalypse or Armageddon. You've heard words like that and you realize that Revelation has a lot to do with judgment, with battle. And the battle ultimately in the very end is God taking on his adversaries and people that have come against his people and ultimately against him. And so in the very end of all, after his enemies and adversaries have taken on his people, after there has been great amounts of bloodshed, there is this figurative Babylon who has opposed God's work and killed God's people of Israel. And it comes as no big surprise that when Jesus Christ comes in and flattens Babylon and annihilates them, that there is this tremendous celebration. And notice what is there. It mentions in verse 1 what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven. I'm just going to tell you who is there at this point in time. At this point in time, there's all the Old Testament saints. There's all the people of the Old Testament that believed in Yahweh, that believed in God. All of the people of Israel. There's all the people that put their faith and trust in God during the tribulation time period. Now, I, I don't know any exact numbers. I would dare say that there are tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people. Imagine, folks, in one mass of people tens or hundreds of millions of people all at once shouting together hallelujah and it says it's like a roar now in our church context probably the most closest thing we've heard to this in church it's been maybe about 10 people saying amen at the same time. But if you've seen your people killed, if you've seen your places destroyed and burned, if you've seen your family executed in front of you and folks and then you see Jesus Christ come in and thoroughly wipe them out who have opposed you and I have no idea why I have a light show going on behind me <laughs> those must be the peals of lightning it's all effects, folks. That's what it is. It's, it's, I could see it in my glasses. I'm like, what? 
Okay. <clears throat> Anyways. If you saw your family executed and your people executed and your places destroyed, and then Jesus Christ comes in and in his power and might and wipes them out, folks, you're going to be saying, hallelujah, man. We couldn't do this. We couldn't stop it. They were crushing us, and Jesus Christ came in finally and stopped them. Man, from the depths of your soul, you'd be saying, praise God. I can't believe it. We were going to be killed. And I just want to give us a future look, folks. This is the end of it all. This is the best news I could give you today. The enemy is judged. God is the victor. Justice is enacted on those who persecute his people. And the celebration begins. And it's nice to know how things end because there are some times we wonder, don't we? You can't fake it with me because I've been there too. There are sometimes our eyes stray and we really end up thinking, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Like, man, this is a hard life sometimes. And then we look at people that maybe don't follow God and it's like, they've got it pretty nice and I'm following God and life is tough you know or you get discouraged by the world or world events or you watch the news or you watch politics you know politics don't make anyone feel victorious today amen like, you know what politics means. I mean, the word politics is made up of two words in the Greek. You know, poly means many, and ticks are blood-sucking creatures. You know? You, it's like... And we have these down-and-out days, and... There's our health and our finances and our job and our relationship and world events and personal events. And sometimes, you know it, we can be sitting here thinking, am I on a winning team? Like, is this ship going down? Well, folks, this passage is a futuristic look at the multitudes who've gone through this fiercest battle ever and they have just seen Jesus Christ absolutely crush and annihilate the adversary. And with the greatest piercing screams and powerful shouts, unlike anything you've ever heard in your entire life, they all celebrate and worship God, the victor over everything. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? He's the victor over everything. And if you're a believer in Jesus' death on the cross for you, and if you're living with him as Lord of your life, I'm here to say you are on 
the winning team. You are on the victor's team. You may feel like you're down at this stage in the game, but the passage shows us, folks, we know the proverbial score at the end of the game. You are on the victor's team. This is not the ship to jump off of, folks. We know where this one goes. We win in the end. We do. Some of you are wondering, what does this word hallelujah mean? This one really is made up of two words, unlike the other one I told you. Hallelujah is actually a Hebrew word transliterated here for us. Hallel means praise. Yah is short for Yahweh or God. It means praise God. Praise God or boast in God. God is great. There is none other like Him, and that's why they say, boast in God. There's none other like God. Salvation, literally salvation. God has saved us. He has rescued us. All glory and power belong to God. He's the victor over all. That's the great celebration in heaven. And if you thought that this great celebration, this first one was a big deal, wait until you see the second one that's coming up. This one's even bigger, even better. So here's the second celebration, and it starts in verse 6. So in verse 1 was the first one, and it said that there was a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. Now look at verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Okay, we've had a great multitude, but notice this. Like the roar of rushing waters. So can you sense this is even louder, this is even greater And then, like loud peals of thunder. The volume has just gone up, folks. This is bigger than the first celebration. This is more intense than the first celebration. This is like the culmination of all celebrations. This is like what the whole thing was all about. And you're wondering, why is this so big? Here's the word hallelujah again. Boast in God. God be praised. For our Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. Here's why. For the wedding... Of the Lamb has come. This is the climax of it all. This is the most exciting thing of all of it. The great celebration, the loudest celebration. The Lamb is getting married. Heaven celebrates the wedding of Jesus Christ. Heaven celebrates the wedding of Jesus. Now the lamb getting married, in case if you're wondering, because it mentions the lamb. The lamb getting married is Jesus Christ. 
There have been plain teachings and understandings on this throughout the New Testament. And finally, the day comes. One of the clearest teachings on this is in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians in chapter 5, and it's in the, in the teaching that, that God gives for the husbands. And it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless as his bride. And so here's the idea. The lamb getting married is Jesus Christ. The guests that are around here in this situation, as I mentioned before, all the Old Testament saints, all the people in the multitude screaming and hollering, imagine people in the multitude like Abraham, Isaac, David, imagine Rachel, Rahab, Deborah, imagine all these people in this throng of tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people and they're all screaming at the top of their lungs. And they all stand up. And why this main celebration? Why is it louder than ever? Why is it like the roar of rushing waters? Why the loud peals of thunder? Why is it a greater ovation than the previous celebration of victory? The virtual Niagara Falls a thousand times over. This is the greatest victory, the loudest celebration in heaven, and all the Old Testament saints are screaming at the top of their lungs. And guess what all the celebration's about, folks? You ready for this one? Here we go. All the celebration is because Jesus is getting married. And guess who his bride is? It's us. Guess what? We're not the ones out there cheering. We're the ones they're cheering for. We're the ones they're saying the bride is finally ready. She's finally ready for the Lamb. And it's all come together. This is what Jesus died for in the first place. He wanted something special. This beautiful, forgiven masterpiece of his. And she's finally, everything she'd, he had wanted from the first place, she's ready and we come in. This wedding supper of the Lamb. It's not the Old Testament saints. Oftentimes we end up thinking, when we get to heaven, I want to talk to Abraham. I want to talk to Noah. I want to find out what life on the big boat was like. I want to talk to David. 
we end up thinking all that stuff. And you know what? Here's all the Old Testament saints saying, I'm cheering for the church. What's it like to be this group of people that Jesus gave his life for? Died to redeem and forgive. To have as his own. As his bride. This is something special that we're in, folks. This is the end picture. This is what God saved us for. And so I want us to consider a few things. That, you know, the bride is his church. It is us. So consider this. We're a part of something massive. This is enormous in size. This is everything from the death of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. He said, I'm going to build my church from his death all the way up until when he raptures the church up to heaven. At some point in what could be the very near future. So all of those people who put their faith and trust in that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, they've given their life to him, they believe that he died for them, they are followers of him. They are a part of this church from the last 2,000 years. And these are people all over the globe. These are not just Americans. And in fact, America is one of the last places that Christianity came to. So imagine there are people in grass skirts, people in tribal garb, people in wraps, people in turbans, people in suits, people in jeans, truly yellow or truly red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. They're all his bride. They're all who he died for. They're all who he loves. Even this morning as our globe spins through space, there are believers all over this big round ball that have expressed praise of Jesus in a myriad of styles and languages all over the globe. It's enormous in size. I'm going to read you um, where the church is growing. Church is growing in so many places. Church is growing in Korea in a tremendous way. I'm going to tell you one of the places the church is growing the fastest. You ready for this one? This may blow your mind. One of the places the church is growing the fastest. The fastest growing church. Despite no buildings. And mostly led by women. Is in Iran. You ready for this? One of the leaders said, what if I told you 
that mosques are nearly empty inside Iran. He says, what if I told you no one follows Islam inside of Iran? Would you believe me? He says, this is what is happening inside of Iran. God is moving powerfully. The pastor adds, what if I told you one of the best evangelists for Jesus was the Ayatollah Khomeini, and here's how he, they explain it. The Ayatollahs brought the true face of Islam to light, and people discovered it was a lie. They call it the Iranian awakening. There's no property, there's no buildings, there's no central leadership, and it's predominantly led by women right now. And it's named after Matthew 10, 16, which says, Behold, I'm sending out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. And here's what they say, the women. We know if they get us, the first thing they will do to us as women is rape us, and then they will beat us, and ultimately they will kill us. This is the decision we have made. We want to offer our bodies as sacrifices because I have this thought that when I wake up, that when I leave that door, I might not come back at night through that door. This is what believers in Iran are saying. And then this is one other thing they say. Our goal is not making converts, but making disciples. What a neat distinction. Think of this. They say disciples forsake the, um, forsake the world and cling to Jesus till he comes. Converts don't. Disciples aren't engaged in a culture war. Converts are. Disciples cherish, obey, and share the word of God. Converts don't. Disciples choose Jesus over anything and everything else. Converts don't. Converts run when the fire comes. Disciples don't run. The church growing in Iran. Guess where the church is growing the least? Here. I think a big part of it is we have it really comfy. We're not running for our lives and we end up squabbling about smaller things. But this is enormous in size. It is enormous in importance. We're talking about his bride. We're not talking about a program or even a building. There's one point in time this building will be gone. Programs will be gone. The bride of Christ is what comes to Jesus in the end. And that's what we are commissioned by God to grow in number and grow in beauty because Jesus Christ deserves that kind of bride. Here's number two. Consider this. We're part of something massive. Consider this. Heaven isn't about me. It's about we. This is cool. Individualism and heaven don't mix well. Some people think of heaven as the fulfillment of their wildest dreams, like I'm going to catch a fish with every cast. 
you know, or every video game I play, I'm going to win. Or, you know, it's just going to be me and Jesus all alone. But the reality is heaven isn't all about me by myself. The truth is, it's about all of us together as a group, loving and worshiping God together as his bride. So look around for a moment and you see the people near you. These are some of the people you'll be in heaven with for eternity. Aren't you excited now? Oh, sorry to end on a bad note here today. <clears throat> the good news is we'll all be perfect in heaven. So it'll be a little bit better than this. I remember watching um, a rerun of Oprah's My Favorite Things. And she does this, I think like once a year or something like that. But she has my favorite things and so the things that she loves it'll be a surprise show and everyone in the show she'll she'll all of a sudden you know say and today is my favorite things and they all go berserk because they know they're all going to get all these freebies and whatever latest ipad that she gets that she loves they all get it well this one show that i happen to watch they all got this car also not only the iPad, not only her favorite perfume, not only her line of clothing, not only, I mean, all of this, but they all ended up with her favorite car, and they all went berserk. And although they all got the gifts individually, everyone in the room was united. I mean, they all were talking the cool thing is watching the crowd they all were together they may not have even known each other but people back and forth like can you believe this can you believe this and they're all talking to each other and grabbing each other and hugging each other that they all were a part of this great giveaway by oprah and i kind of had this feel that in heaven we all have these precious gifts of god they intertwine us in our worship and love of Jesus Christ, and we're just going to be so interwrapped, screaming to each other, can you believe this? Can you believe this? That we're going to be all about we, not just about me, huddled off by myself. I do hear some people say, you know what, my religion, it's personal. I appreciate that. But you know what? You're part of a family. You're part of the bride of Christ. It's about we. Some people say, I don't need to go to church to worship God. My church is in the woods. Well, I worship God in the woods. I pray in the woods. I admit some of my prayers are selfish in the woods. But the reality is trees aren't a part of the body of Christ. They're not a part of the bride of Christ. They're not going to be in heaven with me. It's just not about me. It's about we. 
Here's a third consideration. Being a part of something significant gives significance to every part. And here's where we were going all along. Every part matters. Every part matters. You matter. You're part of the body of Christ. You matter. You're part of the bride of Christ. You're part of the most significant thing in all of history, folks. In all of eternity, you're part of the greatest celebration at the very end. The fact that we're connected to Jesus gives us significance. That we're his bride gives us significance. There's no insignificant part of the bride of Christ. Find me one. Find me one. There's no insignificant part of the bride of Christ. There's no part that is so small that he doesn't care. When we realize that we're part of something special, that we're a part of something that he gave his life for, that gives significance to every part. And so here's what I want us to finish with. Here's what I want us to really wrap our hearts around. Knowing that we're part of something so special. Something he gave his life for. Something he gave his all for. Here's how I put it. He deserves all of us, folks. He deserves all of us. Love is why every part matters. And he deserves all of us, every one of us. There's no insignificant part. Pastor, I can't do much. You know what? You're a special part of his body. There are no bench sitters up there in heaven. When the celebration comes, we all go out. We're all involved. And so down here, we're all involved. We're all involved in the celebration. We're all involved in the effort, all of us. He deserves all of us. Amen? He deserves all of us, folks. Every one of us. Every one of us. Here's the last one. He deserves all of all of us. He deserves all of all of us. When I look at the passion at the end, when I see what this thing's supposed to look like at the end, when I hear in my mind the 
the rushing waters, the roars of people, the excitement, and I understand the significance of all of that it is then, I think, man, what does God desire of me in passion now? He deserves all, right here, he deserves all of all of us. So I've got two thoughts on this. You know what? If you're not in, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're wondering, am I even in this body of Christ? Am I even in this bride of Christ? Here's what you need, folks. You need to believe that he, Jesus Christ, gave his life on the cross for you, for your sins. We're all sinners in this room. All of us have blown it. And Jesus Christ, the perfect God, man, came to earth. He died on the cross as our substitute. He was punished in our place to take the wrath of God so that we can be forgiven. And so what you need to do is the same thing that I've done and many others in this room is we need to agree with God, I'm a sinner. I believe he came and died for me. God, I accept Jesus as my forgiver. I accept him as my leader. Forgive me. Rescue me. Make me your child. Make that your prayer. Make that your life direction. He deserves all of all of us. Give your life to Jesus. And then, if your life is his, give your passion to Jesus Christ. Give your passion to Jesus. Folks, he's going to get it in the end. I've read the story at the end. You're all a screamer. You're all excited in the end. You're all energized in the end. You're all passionate in the end. So why wait for the end? He deserves all of all of us now. Can we do some business with him in our heart? Maybe your prayer right now is to give your life to him, to believe he died for you. Make that your prayer. Maybe your prayer is, you know what? My passion meter is low. I need to give my all to him. I'm going to give you some silence right now. Would you talk to him in the quiet right now? And the reason why we do this, folks, is because of love. Love is why. His love for us is why we give our love back. Would you talk to God? Give your life to him. Give your passion to him.
Father, thank you for a look at the end. To know that we're on the victory side. And to see this special celebration. The bride of Christ. There is no other. And that you've blessed us with this special one and only connection, relationship, dynamic. No one else has it in all of history. And God, take that end picture and change us now. Make love our motivation and may it fuel our passions. 